0: And imagine you have a five-gallon bucket, and at one couple inches up, there's this little spout, and you have little army guys, little minions, little Lego guys at the bottom, and they're all doing their job of like filling up buckets and putting it right over the spout and dumping it out. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're putting in the right amount, those guys get trained on how to do that really well. You get really good at removing and flushing lactic acid out of your body. But if you go too hard and you pour too much in there, well, now those guys drown. They're done. The bucket can't drain out and it overflows and you have a mess. And those guys didn't learn how to flush out the lactic acid. You're just going as hard as you can, filling up the buckets, overflowing. But it feels good because you worked your hardest You worked your hardest and there was no doubt about it. Okay, that's not the goal. The goal is not to do that. The goal is to get better.
1: We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run always chasing never stop. One, Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you Ben? I'm doing excellent,
0: Patrick. Thank you. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? You're
1: back. I'm doing well. You're back in your office. I think it's been at least a couple of weeks since we've seen feels, you in the back in of the
0: office, so. Yeah, it feels <laughs> good. It feels good but weird and strange and yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. if you're I'm listening to this it? not it's like it's the end of August and the the game season and the recovery period is over and now it's back to the normalcy, but routine, and the things that I love about everyday life.
1: Yeah, and one of those things is uh, CrossFit New England. Is your work there? Is your coaching there? Is the are, are the athletes there? And that's mm-hmm. the world that we're going to kind of walk into today. We haven't talked about uh, affiliate world for a little bit, so at least we're going to start there. I think there'll be some carryover to 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 athletes or to just folks kind of doing their own uh, doing their own fitness, their own fitness programming. Um, in their garage at the Globo Gym or whatever. But we're going to talk about uh, every once in a while you send me a text like, hey, here's an idea for an episode. You don't give me any more context. Mm -hmm. and You just sent me one, the secret sauce of programming. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to see what that is, what that means. I'm very curious. I'm very interested. I want to start with uh, a question, maybe kind of just placing programming uh, in uh, getting a sense of where programming lives in terms of the importance of the gym in terms of in terms of like what they need to be focusing on to do their job even better and i think my contention when i work with gyms or obviously like just having been around for a long time you start thinking about like well what is the actual product here and i think the argument can be made that the product is coaching and so i'm just curious one do you agree with that like if if you because everything else right a restaurant product is the food but and you know, everything you've got to really figure out like, okay, this is the product. Therefore we're going to try to make this product better. And so one is coaching the product to you. And then if so, or even if not, where does programming fit into that as well? How does it related to how is it different and how important is it? If it's maybe not the most important thing, where is it on that kind of hierarchy of importance for you as it relates to running an effective, uh, successful affiliate?
0: So I always love the analogy of, a gym to a restaurant. I'm glad you pulled that up. And if the the job of the restaurant is, I think you said food. Uh, mm. I I would argue that I think it's experience. It's mm-hmm. the experience. Yep. So and I'd food is a part too. of the experience. Yeah. Yep. And it's the ambiance, and it's the staff, and it's the music, and it's yep. all of that. I believe that the gym is the same thing. It's the experience. Yep. And when you do go to a restaurant, it's a little more transactional. It's one hour. You may go there for an hour a week if you're a regular, go there, if you eat there a lot. Maybe it's your everyday spot at work, but it's not as impactful into the the magnitude of your everyday lives as a gym would be. We're really lucky as gym owners in the fact that we get to see our end users for 60 to 90 minutes for two, three, four, if we're lucky, five, six, or seven days a week. And that's kind of the end goal. And- that truly is, maybe we should start there. I believe that the, the number one metric that we should be looking for as affiliate owners, because what is it? Is it profit? Is it number of members? Is it how many people you're sending to the games? Is it weight loss per client? There's so many different things that you could look for. Is it average monthly attendance? Is it your churn rate? And I believe that the number one thing that we should be tracking is attendance. And you can do that however you want to. Is it Total attendance, which I am not a fan of, because I don't think that you having a thousand members with fifty percent attendance is better than you having five hundred members with eighty-five percent attendance. So for me, the number one thing that I am looking for is how many times a week are our members showing up. So it's the average uh, um, attendance per week per client, and when you track this, it's it's kind of Eye-opening and scary and humbling because you feel like your members are coming all the time because the ones that are coming all the time are coming all the time. But when you start to look at this and when we did, it was, it's closer to like one and a half to two and a half times a week is your, that's not very good. What we're striving for is to get our members to show up closer to three, four, five, or six times a week. As Greg Glassman said years ago, you know, regularly train movements five, six times a week is constantly very. It, that's what the program. That's how the program works. So it's a long lead-in to your your question because it can't be programming because if they're not showing up, it's not programming. Right. Right. So what is the job of the affiliate owner? What is the business? It's to get your members to show up. That really is the job. Now, how you do that, whether it's through community, whether it's through competition, whether it's through fun, excitement, whether it's through accountability, whether it's through a systemized process, whether it's through memberships or different forms, all of it is cool. One of those ways is programming. One of those ways is to meet the clients where they are. So what I mean by that is if you have one set program, and this is the way we were taught when we entered the CrossFit space, this is what it was. It doesn't matter if you're trying to to train for a marathon, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, be a football player, the CrossFit games, or be a better soccer dad, come in, take class, and you'll get better. That's true. I love that. I love that ethos of we have one program that is scalable based off of ability, we need a scale based off of degree, not kind. It is our Olympic athletes and grandmothers can do the same workout, but we'll vary it appropriately for each of them. That is true. And they will see results. Having said that, I think we're leaving a lot of chips on the table if that is where we're stopping. Mm -hmm. Because the marathon runner Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, my grandmother, and the person trying to lose 500 pounds, all of them, their program should differ by kind as well as degree. Now, I'm not saying that we should have one person doing spin class, other person doing Zumba, other person doing um, Olympic weightlifting, but inside of that constantly varied functional fitness, high-intensity interval training program, there can be little shifts and there can be little nuances to it. One of the ways that we've addressed this on a macro level is if we have Tom Brady, you a know, really high-level athlete, if we have Katrin David's daughter, a really high-level CrossFit Games athlete, and we have um, somebody that really needs a lot of health help, that needs to lose 200 pounds, if we all have them do Amanda, the workout, On a Monday, we're really solving a lot for Katrin. Like that's, she needs squat snatches and ring muscle-ups. Tom Brady, man, I would not want my MVP of the league quarterback, $20 million athlete doing ring muscle-ups and squat snatches for speed. So we're missing the mark there with him in a massive way. And then we've been told that we should scale the movements for grandma or a person that needs to lose 500 pounds. So if we scale those movements, we were told it's ring transitions where you like are kneeling or their ring rows or something of the sort followed by PVC pipe, power snatches and overhead squats. Yet the workout is going to take seven minutes. Their heart rate's never going to get above a buck 10 and they're not going to see the results that they could have gotten if we were swinging the program to truly meet their goals, their needs and their abilities. So what we've done is we can take something like Amanda, but we can shift it and tweak it for each of those categories. And we call them three different buckets, essentially. Mm -hmm. And the buckets are compete. You're competing in the sport of CrossFit, i.e. Catherine David's daughter. Train. You're using this methodology. By the way, the best methodology ever created in the history of the world for strength and conditioning. Everyone should be doing this in some form or fashion. We have a train method. Program for our athletes that are using this as a strength and conditioning platform for other sports. Biggest point there is do no harm. You can't get these high level athletes or any athlete injured in the gym. And then we have a third bucket, which is what we call um, sweat. It's uh, it's basically just about burning lots of calories, sweating a lot, losing weight, looking better, building the aerobic engine, and so on. So. When a member walks in and now we ask them, what are your goals? Because by the way, this is the way the CrossFit methodology works forever. Member walks in, we all were taught to ask them what their goals are. And then regardless of what their goals were, I'm trying to get a scholarship to be a Division One football player. I'm trying to go to the CrossFit games or I'm trying to lose hundred pounds. From there, after we asked that, we went, great. Here's the workout (laughs) of the day. Like what a massive gap. There's that like. Why would you even ask the question if you're not going to shift it for me a little bit? Now, whether we find out which one of the buckets, and they're still big buckets, and we feed them into one of those buckets, and now the programming is designed for them in mind. Once they get into that bucket, now we can speak to them based off of abilities, goals, and so on. It makes way more sense. Everyone is still getting the benefit of the group effect which is this amazing psychological phenomenon that everybody will benefit from. If you train in a group, I know you will work harder. Harder work is great because it's a shortcut to results. We're all here because we want results. Now, regardless of those results, are lose weight, faster 40-yard dash, go to the CrossFit Games, or just the best hour of my day, you training with other people will get you there faster, more so than you in your garage. We know this from psychology, being with other people and all the rest, even people like you and me introverted as much as we are, we will benefit from training in a group environment. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's the way it's set up. So now we've blended this really nice aspect of training in a group with a little bit more individualized approach. Cool thing that we're doing on the comp train side, which is really, really cool is we're bringing the next level of Uh, Individualization to that. Now, what we're doing, and it's in beta testing right now, it's in the hands of end users right now, beta testing, which haven't brought to the world yet, is, and maybe it will be by the time people listen to this, is you take an assessment. Give us your goals. Where are you right now? And the program will tweak that. Patrick, you are really good at conditioning, really good at um, skills. You need to work on your strength. Well, now we have a world class strength coach, Greg Everett, one of the best strength coaches in the world, programming the strength biased approach to the, for those athletes. That's, Mm -hmm. we're going off on a tangent a little bit, but that's the way I roll. (laughs) That's
1: a good sneak peek. Yes.
0: Okay. Um pulling back into this. Once we have those buckets, now we're talking to people more of an individualized basis. The real, that's not even the secret sauce though. That's just kind of like the high level. That's, that kind of answers the question of like, where does programming fit into this whole thing? Mm -hmm. The secret sauce is a little bit, well, first did I, I don't remember what the question was, but did I, are we tracking the right direction yes
1: absolutely let me ask a few questions before we yeah, get cuz i do i think we when we get into the secret sauce i think we might geek, geek out a little bit and i want to i have a, a couple questions or couple of things before that. The first is you said it at the start, this idea of tracking attendance, which I think is really mm-hmm. interesting. And something we've talked about before is the importance of, and the differentiation of leading and lagging indicators. And when you look at something like churn or you look at, you know, you can come up with the three or seven other different metrics. You can, they're almost always lagging indicators, always telling you what already happened yep. as opposed to leading indicators, which obviously are, are ideal because they're going to, tell they're they're the metric that if we can figure out the right the right thing to look at, the right thing to measure, they will, as best we can tell, show us whether or not we're getting closer to success or not. And so I think it, attendance is a really interesting leading indicator in the sense of it will tell you if you will continue to be successful because it, the member who comes in four times is far more likely, and you know this better than I, of course, but for, far more likely to be there in three months and six months and 12 months than the guy who shows up one, maybe two times uh, a month. And so I'm just curious quickly, because it, it is a bit of a tangent, did, how long did it take you to realize that maybe attendance was the right metric to look at? Not, again, signups, not fundamentals, not overall membership size, whatever, but actually like what is our average attendance? And if we decide that that is the most important, what can we do to actually make that better?
0: When, when did that start to click for you? It, this year. So we're 14 years into this thing. So a long, yeah. way too, way too long. It's one of those things that we're we always, you know, you have eyes on. It's one of those metrics that yeah. um, is there, but it wasn't the thing driving. It is the thing. To your point, it is a leading indicator of what we all want, which is people to stick around and stay and get results. That is the most important thing because as we dive into the nuances of this, you know, programming conversation, the, as long as you're doing constantly very functional movements performed at a high intensity, it's going to deliver results. Particularly when you combine it with uh, eat real foods, not too much, mostly plants, um, meat, nuts, seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar intake levels. You, everyone, when you combine that high intensity interval training with eating clean, real food, not too much, the magic is it's 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 amazing. Now there's dials that we can turn from 8 to 10 with this little secret sauce thing. But it, th- what has to happen is they have to show up. If they don't show up, I can't promise, I can't guarantee the program's going to work. And if the program isn't guaranteed to work, then what happens is people pay memberships and now they're weighing and measuring of whether it's worth it or not. Yeah. Nobody that, you know, assuming that you're charging 150 bucks or whatever the normal rate is, and you're delivering results to these members, it's really, it's an easy sell, honestly. Like if, if people are going from 35% body fat to 25% body fat to 15% body fat to 12% body fat in the course of two years, you do not need to sell them on next month's programming or next month's attendance or next month's membership. If they're going to be there they're not going to move from 30, they might move from 35 to 25 showing up twice a week, but the law of diminishing return states that they're not going to get from 18 to 12% showing up twice a week. They need to be there in order, they need to be there the five or six times. And this really came to light when we laid out our prescription. And our prescription is the five factors. In each one of those five factors, we have essentially 10 principles that we operate by. And one of those principles is this is, the prescription. If you do this, we can guarantee you results. Like this is going to happen. And one of those is show up five to six times a week. It is, we got rid of punch cards. We don't do three times a week membership. We only have one membership unlimited because that is the way the program is set up. It is not set up to show up three times a week. Now, if you're showing up three times a week, but you're also doing triathlons and all that stuff, cool. But now we're not layering into us, developing the relationship, you as a part of the community. There's enough pieces of the cog that get moved through the attendance wheel. And that attendance wheel is the thing that is actually, it's the axle that drives everything else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we talk, we've talked about flywheels before, and that's 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 somewhere high on the, the, the priorities of getting that right as it relates to your flywheel. Um, figuring out everything that you can do, to make sure and this is going to kind of get into the programming nicely to make sure that people are showing up not two times, not three times, but four times and five times and six times. And so the programming question to me is um, back to what you said about the restaurant, which is spot on, like the restaurant's job is to create the right experience. Part of that experience is good food. It's the right food. It's hot food when it gets to me, right? All that stuff. Um And the same, same, if you go to that restaurant and the vibe is great, the people are cool. All the waiters are attractive. The music is great. The bar is hopping and then you order your food and it's like, it's undercooked. And when you ask for it to be fixed, it's not fixed. And that's actually uh, an, uh, an incredible knock, so much so that you probably won't go back there no matter how good that experience is. And so my question to you is in your experience, 14, 15 years of this, have you found that programming can be similar to everything else is great. Community's great. Coaches are fun. Uh, all these other things we get right. And then the programming is eh, to the, to the point of like, eh, it's, it's actually harming everything else is program is, is programming that powerful if done poorly that it ruins kind of whatever else you manage to get right.
0: Yes, but it depends on. If there's massive swings along the spectrum, and if you're doing it so poorly that it's you know we're going to do um, calf raises, uh, mm-hmm. you know six calf raises combined with you know six single unders yep. for um, sixty seconds, and that's the work. Like obviously that's t- that's <laughs> no one. Yes, yeah. that would be enough yeah. to wreck it. Now, yeah, that most people are operating with at least the right set of under um, understood principles because CrossFit has done such a phenomenal job of layering out what the methodology is. So most people are programming with some level of variance, some level of non-interference, some level of elegance, some level of, um, Uh, choosing the right movement patterns, choosing the right movements, choosing the right rep scheme. So we're getting closer and closer and closer, but there still is this, I, I, I believe that there's, um, a prop. If people have been doing it long enough, they're not even thinking of it. They're not even aware of it, but there's a, um, Thing that drives it from, to your point, the food being okay to the food being unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And now, if you have that restaurant where the vibe is great, the bar is kicking it, everyone's attractive, I love that you <laughs> named that as one of your things for going to a restaurant. Um, you know, all the other pieces are in place and the food is incredible to when you put it on your table in your mouth, it's oh, it's so good when it hits your lips. And you're like, you gotta tr-. it's so good when the food is so good you're like, you have to try this and you know it's so good. You almost don't want them to try it, but you be like <laughs> you have to share it. Yep. That's what we can get to with our programming. And we people can get there. Now, are there gonna be mistakes? Absolutely. Is somebody gonna put too much salt on one meal? Absolutely. Are we gonna miss one workout in the course of a month? Absolutely. But in general can we raise the bar? Can we continue to pursue excellence in all facets of the affiliate model and programming? For sure, is one of those things.
1: Got it. Cool. So, where do we begin as it relates to finally getting to this idea of secret sauce of programming? By the way, I love that with secret sauce, and we've been talking about restaurants. We're, that's not intentional, but oh, look at that, like huh? Um, where, where do we? What do we need to know to kind of walk into? Where you where you want to take us here? Like, what's the what's the context? Where where do we begin?
0: Yeah, there's so programming in general. It's essentially we need to begin with the end in mind. So, what is it that we're trying to create? So, if you're trying to send someone to the Olympics for rowing, programming is going to look a little bit different than if we're trying to um, send someone to the Olympics for weightlifting. So, what we have to understand is. Let's start off with this group understanding that the way we're talking about this is what we're trying to create is fitness. Now, Mm -hmm. fitness, it helps if you define it, is work capacity across broad time and modal domains. Okay, that's let's just kind of boil that down to like um, work capacity. It makes it so much easier. If we just talk about like work capacity, like ability to do work, that's really what we're trying to do. And through our programming, we want to have some of these other fundamental understandings that we're all on the same page. Once we agree, it's kind of like, I'm just like laying the, the the foundation of like, we have to agree upon these things and then we can get to the next ones. And that is that we need to work with functional movements and now functional movements have been really, the term has been bastardized because even the BOSU ball and the shake weight are functional movements, but what functional movements are is the movements that produce the greatest amount of power. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. They, they produce more power. You get more power out of a pull-up than you do have a bicep curl. Power is force times distance divided by time. So that's what we need to we need to program to elicit the most power at, that we can. From there, it gets into this idea of um, dose, dosage, and it's not just intensity. Intensity is one of the variables that has to be interspliced appropriately to to make sure that we have the right and it's kind of like uh um, different pies like as intensity goes up, the other things have to come down. And the other ones are uh, volume, um, duration, um, intensity, obviously. There's a few things that kind of go with that. So, Total balls out everything you have intensity is not the answer. But either is just massively super high levels of volume. That's not the answer. Mm -hmm. There has to be this kind of nice blend in between the two. And let's take like an example of we used Olympic rowing. So let's stick with that. So we know the way Olympic rowers train. And what they don't do is they don't go and just do a bunch of 2K rows, which would be that super high, high intensity. They actually don't even do... Um, if, if they, um, lower the volume down so much to bring the intensity up even higher, they don't do like one 500 meter row. What they do is they do this thing that's been really popularized. What they do is H I I T high intensity interval training. And what they'll do is either overload it and they'll do something like three by two K at a sub game pace. Or they'll go above game day pace and they'll do something like eight by 750, you know, with a minute rest or something like that at faster than or whatever it is or at game pace Mm -hmm. or threshold. Or they'll go below and they'll do a bunch of 200s with big rest depending on their strengths, their weaknesses, where they're on the training cycle and so on. The big take-home message there is even if – this is for like the weightlifting crew. Even if you had somebody who's trying to break the world record for the 500-meter row – they wouldn't just do 500 meter rows, balls out everything they got. They would bring it down a little bit intensity and get more doses. So we need the doses. So this is kind of the, the lead-in talk to as much as we love the high-intensity world of CrossFit, you doing one 500 meter row for time is not effective programming. Hmm. It's just not. You doing FRAN if you're really good at Fran and you're doing it in two minutes and 15 seconds is not good programming. It's not enough of a dose and it's too high of an intensity for you to get the response that we're looking for. Use the way those guys train. If you're trying to go for a five, even like the one rep guys that train for one rep deadlifts, they don't train by doing one rep deadlifts. They do sets and reps. They essentially do interval training, but with weights. Mm. They need the dosage. So as much as we love the short, high intensity stuff, it's not the secret sauce. The secret sauce is getting the right dosage. And what we've done is we've swung what, the way people compete and used competitions. It's why Castro doesn't call them workouts. He mm. calls them events. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's because it's not a good workout. You doing one 400-meter 400 400 meter sprint is not a good workout. You doing eight 200s with a one-minute rest is a great workout. But if you program that, that's the next thing, no one's going to show up. We have to get this nice blend between the physical responses that are happening and the psychological expectations that people have of the workout. Case in point today, we, we did really bad programming at our gym. Mm-hmm. We did a Tabata Totobar. Tabata okay. Totobar is really bad programming. The Tabata protocol is a phenomenal protocol, but it's been destroyed by our community to where they created Tabata This workout, which is four different movements. Now the whole yeah. thing lasts 24 minutes. I don't even know, 32, whatever, how long it lasts. Tabata was created so that you would have this perfect blend of volume and intensity. It's a great training response, but it has to be done with maximal or just sub-maximal intensities for 20 seconds of work, 10 seconds of rest. So if we do Totobar, which by the way, we did it for lowest score. So if you're going to go for a low score, which is why this is what part of the secret sauce is. All of these little nuancy things, and here's one of them, the way you score workouts has a massive impact on the stimulus of that workout. Mm -hmm. So if we take a protocol like like Tabata, which is a great protocol, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, eight times through four minutes of work. It's a really good, basically it's a perfect thresholdy thing of sustained super high power. But if we do it with toes to bar and your score is lowest score, what's the smartest way to do that to maximize your score? Because remember, there's a psychological effect. If you put a leaderboard to it and you should, because it will drive higher results and work output, then they're going to game it for that. And they should. So the way I did it is I gamed it. So for the first rounds, I only did 10 seconds of work and I got seven Mm -hmm. And I was able to hold that across all the rounds, except for the very last one, I was only able to get six. Mm. I did not get a workout at all. Mm -hmm. That was our workout of the day, but we did not get a workout. It's not that the total bar movement is wrong. It's a functional movement pattern. It's not that the Tabata protocol is wrong. It's a great protocol, but there's this secret sauce of understanding how to blend the implements And when you understand how to blend the implements, that's what drives the results. So let's take another example of a workout that we did really poorly last week. Last week, we did a workout that was um, wall walks and box jump overs. The protocol movements are great. Wall walks are a great movement. Phenomenal. They show up in the games. Great test. Box jump overs, great movement. Amazing. The protocol that we used is this dope, amazing protocol that just like you can't not work hard. It's phenomenal. So what we have so going to tell the protocol, the way we've used it in other ways. And the workout that we usually use this for is 2K row. Mm-hmm. Guys row 2K, girls row 1600. But every minute on the minutes, you do ascending burpees. So three, two, one, go do one burpee jump on the rower and get as many meters as you can in the remaining part of that minute. At the turn of the next minute, do two burpees. Then jump on and get as many calories, as many meters as you can. And the workout's over when you accomplish the 2,000-meter row. If you half-ass it, you never finish. You literally, you'll still be on it today right now. You will, so it's this amazing protocol that just drives this incredible intensity, we use it with our games that we use that exact specific workout. We do it with um, burpees, erg burpees, burpees over the rower with our games athlete when we need to turn up the notch, like early in the games training season, where it's like it's go time because you have to go. We do it at our training camps because you have to go. You can use it with your athletes for somebody that likes a sandbag workouts because they have to go. Okay, so we tried that with wall walks and box jump overs. So the protocol's great. The movements are great but it doesn't work. This is the secret sauce. You have to understand that what we're actually programming for, this is it. What you are programming for is horsepower. Mm. You need to program for horsepower. Now, the reason that works so well, horsepower is again, force times distance times total reps. That's what people miss when they do this formula, times total reps divided by the total time. Now, when you do that, it will force you into these incredibly high-powered functional movements. It will. Because if you do it with bicep curls, you're not getting the same response as you do with kipping pull-ups. If you do it with um, tempo squats, you will not get the same response as you do it with wall balls. It's, a, it's just it's the way it works. But when you, um, So let's go back to that, that program of wall. So the, the workout was 15 wall walks. Mm-hmm. Every minute on the minute, do four, four box jump overs. The movements aren't bad. The protocol's not bad, but they don't match up. Mm. Because if you're going to go and try to smash the wall walks, you can only go so fast. Now, with our athletes, we don't allow them to do rebounding box jumpers because of the stress on the Achilles. So you can only do box jump overs so fast, unlike burpees and rowing burpees and rowing have this exponential. So as you lean into it, it goes harder and harder and harder. What you're doing is you're putting imaginary caps on those movements. So if we have imaginary caps on those movements, you don't want to do it when the, the one of the, the protocols that it forces this incredible intensity. You want to do it one that elicits a nice, smooth, longer intensity like an AMRAP. So what happens is when we do this workout of wall walks, fifteen wall walks every minute on the minute for burpees, you're done when you get the four the wall walks. Is the people that are really good at the wall walks? I'm not real I'm not really good at wall walks, but I finished the workout in a minute and fifty two seconds. Hmm. And when I was done, there's no workout. That was not a workout at all. Yeah. Yep. We have other athletes. We had a ten minute cap on it. They're finished around the eight minutes or so like that. Now they're getting smashed from that because it's taking them forever. They're going so slow. And I'm getting nothing out of it. So what was the desired stimulus? It was missed because people went in this huge divergent path. Now, what we could have done is just when there's a movement like wall walks that is so divergent, some people are really good at handstand walking, handstand push-ups, muscle ups, those type of things should not be set up with the big divergence, the big standard deviations off the mean in terms of average time. Those ones do really well for AMRAPs. So if we had changed that workout, we want the same. We decided that those are the movements we want, but just simply changed it to four wall walks, four box jump overs, AMRAP eight, where mm-hmm. we have it. Like the, the people that are good at wall walks are going to get tons of wall walks. The people that aren't going to get as many, everyone gets the same essentially stimulus. And that's what we have to understand is that when we're programming the workouts, this is the secret sauce. When you're programmed for workouts, we want to understand what the desired stimulus is and always that desired stimulus, always with an asterisk, most of the time that desired stimulus is to maximize your horsepower, average horsepower, force times distance divided by time. That is why certain workouts like Fran are so beneficial, like Helen are so beneficial. It's the workouts that are on the fringe of like all of this threshold type stuff. And then what we do is we back in and there's actually, we've created a chart that explains this. I can talk about this next if you want to, of making sure that the movements, the loads and the reps all match up appropriately so that you are getting the right horsepower out of that workout.
1: Mm. Yes, let's definitely get to that. Um, before we do... um. You said something, I just don't want to, I just don't want to forget this. So you said something when we first started that getting into the programming stuff, um, that made, makes me want to ask, I think what it was, was the, the, which is a really astute observation that Castro doesn't call them workouts. He, they used to be, they used, it used to be right. You and I remember when events were, were filled with like 19 workouts, right. Workouts of the day, even, even though that didn't make any sense at all. Um, and that those, so these these two things are different, and I think the primary critici- criticism of CrossFit has always been an overemphasis on intensity and a lack of emphasis on fill in the blank mechanics, uh, consistency, whatever. Um, so my question to you is: Has one of the primary faults, or is this starting to solve for one of the primary uh, uh, criticisms, and perhaps the primary? Um, misunderstandings within the CrossFit affiliate community as it relates to what programming should look like. Are Have we gone too far towards this intensity monster? And now do we need to, if we want to continue growing, if we want to go from, who knows what the number is now, 10,000 or 20,000 to 50,000 to 100,000 affiliates, is this one of the key unlocks in your mind is getting away from, oh, this this should look like what, a, what an event in a CrossFit uh, competition looks like and that's the, that's the barometer that I'm going to use for good workout or bad workout. Is everybody dead on the floor or not? And that's how I judge whether or not I my programming today was good.:
0: No, it is one of the it is one of the things that makes our programming so effective. So we don't want to lean too far away from that. but we need to understand, and this is more the users in the programming, because the programming the program should be set up to allow the members. To push intensity, so something like wall walks, box jumps does not do it. Something like toes the to bar, Tabata, low score score does not do it. Now, if we take Tabata, but instead we do Tabata bike, and mm-hmm. it's total calories, which the way the program was originally set up for was indoor track cyclists. Oh my god! Like that's great. That's amazing. That we're doing it. That's phenomenal. And we're going to get the results. So if anything, I want the program to continue to lean into that even farther. But from the user perspective, from the athlete perspective, we have to realize is it's not maximal intensity. It never was maximal intensity. It's constantly varied, functional movements executed at high intensity. There is a massive difference between maximal intensity and high intensity. High intensity is uncomfortable, but you can walk around afterwards. You can Mm -hmm. Go and do something else if you want to. You for sure can come back tomorrow. When you go maximal intensity, which is why the 500 meter row example is not the best way to get fit, even if you're trying to get better at the 500 meter row, is because you go 500 meter row, maximal intensity, it's too short to elicit the response. You are basically filling up the bucket. It's overflowing. And now you have a mess to clean up. Mm-hmm. Better thing to do is to fill the bucket up almost to the brim and let it drain out appropriately. Fill it almost up to the brim and let it drain out. Drain out uh, um, appropriately. The analogy I'm giving, the, the way I explain this to uh, my coaches and my athletes, is essentially that analogy. It's 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 analogous to your your lactic threshold, your aerobic mm-hmm. threshold. Your, and imagine you have a five gallon bucket, and at one Couple inches up, there's this little spout, and you have little army guys, little minions, little Lego guys at the bottom, and they're all doing their job of like filling up buckets and putting it right over the spout and dumping it out. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're putting in the right amount, those guys get trained on how to do that really well. You get really good at removing and flushing lactic acid out of your body. But if you go too hard, And you pour too much in there. Well, now those guys drown. They're done. The bucket can't drain out and it overflows and you have a mess. And those guys didn't learn how to flush out the lactic acid. You're just going as hard as you can, filling up the buckets overflowing. But it feels good because you worked your hardest. You worked your hardest and there was no doubt about it. Okay, that's not the goal. The goal is not to do that. The goal is to get better. And there is this thing, which CrossFit does a phenomenal, phenomenal job of explaining what threshold training is. The best I've ever heard, people just choose not to listen to it. They just, honestly, it's one of the things that just like, it gets skipped over completely. CrossFit has never, ever said maximal intensity. But the magic is for sure in threshold training. And threshold training is still really, really hard. And sometimes that red line gets tipped over and that's okay. Sometimes you don't have it and you can't meet that red line and that's okay. But the majority of the time we should be training those little minions, Lego guys, army guys on how to work really, really well on how to fill up their own little buckets, bring up a spout and remove it. That's where it happens. But the program has to be set up the, prog- the actual, what's written up on the whiteboard has to be set up so it'll elicit that response. Tabata Tozovar doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. Wall walks and box jump overs in that format does not do it. You know what does? Fran, if you're in the five, six, eight minute range, mm-hmm. not at two minutes guns a blazing. Helen, Murph, like all of like, there's a reason CrossFit works as well as it does. What we've also missed is that this idea of keep workouts short, that's been kind of pulled into like, they have to like, if, if a workout is 18 minutes, it's long. That's not what that's saying. What it's saying is don't go and do 10 mile runs. That's what it's saying. If you're doing a 25 minute AMRAP, that's not a long workout, you can get that's not a long. I oh, need to we need to reframe that inside the crossfit mm. space. Mm. A long workout is forty minutes. It's, it's where you go yeah. completely aerobic. It's when you're doing forty minutes. But you doing um, clean and jerks, chest of bar pull ups, and burpees for twenty five minutes. Dude, that's cool. Like you're, you're, if you do that four times a week at your affiliate, I'm telling you, your members are going to get incredible results. More so than if you do three-rep deadlift followed by 500-meter row. I'm, t- I, I'm just telling you what will get better results because it's not about – think about the way that even the five guys that are training the 500-meter row, the guys that are training the one-rep deadlift, they're not doing one deadlift. Even the conjugate guys, the west side guys, who lift one real heavy and they change it up every two, three weeks. And now, they're going to do it with bands. And now, they're going to do it with an echo bar. And now, they're going to do it with a box and they're always going to lift that one-rep super – They'll tell you that the magic happens through the, the, the accessory work where they're training their weaknesses afterwards. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they do that one rep really heavy. They do a few hypertrophy sets of something like, you know, three, four sets of eight to 12. And then they do this uh, muscular endurance stuff of like hundreds of reps. They're not doing the one rep. Guys that are running the 400 meter, guys that are running the the, the, the 100 meter, they're not running one 100 meter run training and going home. They're doing, they're doing five, six, seven, eight, 400 meter dashes. Oh, sorry. 40 yard dashes. And when you stretch out a little bit more, people are training like the 2k row at the Olympics, which would the event it is. They're doing way more than one 2k row. We can't be afraid. I'm not, I'm not, this is not a case for volume. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that. But it is a case to reframe the benefits of doing multiple workouts a week that are sub five or six minutes. Hmm. That should be the exception, not the rule. And most of the magic will happen closer to that 10, 15, 20, and 25 minute mark. Also, because the program is set up as a strength and conditioning tool, assuming that you are doing other stuff. It's assuming that you're a first responder. It's assuming that you're also doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's assuming that you're also a lumberjack or a a landscaper. It's assuming that you're on special forces. That's not what most of our clients are doing. Most of our clients Mm -hmm. are coming here. They have this one 60-minute block to get out all of their conditioning, all of their activity, and they drive home, sitting, go home, sit at the kitchen table, sitting, go to work, sit, and they don't get any other exercise. If we're lucky, maybe they go for a nine-minute walk after dinner. Maybe. I don't think that's happening. Maybe they also do 20 minutes of yoga somewhere. I don't think that's happening. Most of our members, we're struggling to get them to come in three times a week to do a 60-minute CrossFit class. That three times a week CrossFit class, if one of those days is a three-minute workout, we are doing a disservice to our members.
1: I want to get into... um... I have lots of questions. I want to get into a little bit of the of the practical, um, and and bring it down to maybe kind of get get you to to walk us through maybe how you would think through some of these uh th- these workouts, get kind of getting closer to the secret sauce. And I'd love to do it if we can. Going back to something we started with, with this idea of of uh, training tracks or programming tracks, what you guys do at CFNE, the compete, the train, and the sweat, which is something uh, that I love. I think I think every gym can do it for lots of different reasons, for for brand reasons, but also for all the reasons that you're talking about here. And so I wonder, and, and I don't know if I, you tell me if if this w- is a good way to do it because I also want to touch on the chart you mentioned. Can you give us? a workout, a workout that would appear in any average CrossFit gym and, you know, make it up on the spot and then say, okay, here's how I would tweak that for the compete track. And here's why, here's how I would tweak that for our train track, train track. That's, that's not a, the right way to no, put we, it, but you yeah, get we laugh about um, that. Yeah. <laughs> um And then choo, here's choo. why I would, yeah. And here's why I would do that, which makes sense with train. And then the same with the sweat, just so we can start to see in practice this kind of thinking, this kind of secret sauce to programming thinking in action so that a gym owner, a trainer, even an athlete can say, okay, there's something in here I'm missing. And 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 here's how I can start working through what I think is the right, the answer and what maybe is a, is a slightly more nuanced, but closer to the original conception of CrossFit idea.
0: Absolutely. So let's, let's start off with like just the massive principles for each of those buckets. Okay. The big principle for the compete bucket is to prep athletes for the sport of CrossFit, mm-hmm. the sport of CrossFit. They need to be able to be good. It's a third wave adaptation thing. They need to be really good at the movements that show up in competitions. Things like kipping handstand, pushups, ring and bar muscle ups, pistols, and so on high level gymnastic stuff, high loads. They need to be able to cycle squats, snatches, all those things in the train track, choo-choo. <laughs> Man, that'd be crazy. Think about that. Imagine if we have Tom Brady walk in and we're going to go, okay, here's how we're going to do. We're ring muscle ups and cycle squat snatches and kipping handstand ups and handstand. It's like, it's obviously that's not the thing to do. So there's a lot more strict work in that program. Mm. So we don't do high level gymnastic stuff at all. Also because- the time spent learning those things, I get like this idea, like everyone should be learning a ring muscle up. I don't think so. Because you remember, this is a massive driving principle. We have to understand your average client is showing up three times a week. Hopefully, hopefully. I know it doesn't seem like that because the people you see are there all the time. That's because of the people you see all the time, your average clients are showing up three times a week. If you're taking one of those days and spending 25 minutes trying to teach them ring transitions when they're 45 pounds overweight and they don't have a strict pull-up to boot, you're wasting their time. Hmm. You have a much bigger responsibility. That athlete would go into our sweat track. And the goal of the sweat track is just what it sounds like. It's like, yo, we're going to breathe heavy. We're going to burn the calories and we're going to sweat it down. So – Let's take something like, let's take them, um, next principle, when these things can match up, we match them up. So whenever possible. So like a workout that we did yesterday was, we called it uh, boat shoes and it was a 1200 meter run. I'm sorry, 1200 meter row followed by a 1200 meter run, rest three minutes. Then it was a um, 800 meter row. 800-meter run, rest three minutes, 400 and 400. The guys rode a little bit farther. Guys' rows were 15, uh, 1,500. But that's it. Everyone on every track did the exact same thing. And that's usually the case. Okay. Usually about 85% of everything will match up. We might shift the loads a little bit here or there. The big differences are when you have really high-skill, third-wave adaptations, which it's an it's – a responsibility for you to get the athletes that want to compete in the sport good at those things. Let I me mean, actually let me back up. This is let me talk about the how we got here, and I'll make sure I come back to this. Okay. When we opened up CrossFit New England, I was really enticed by the sport of CrossFit. I competed at the games. Heather competed at the games. We loved it. We came out of triathlons because we were competitive, and moved into sport because we loved the competitive aspect of it. Because of that. We drove competition, and everyone was trying muscle ups, and everyone was doing pistols, and everyone was trying to walk on their hands. As the owners aged up, and our personal interest completely shifted, I still have interest in the sport and programming for it, coaching it, and all that. But personally, mine shifted completely to like the longevity play, getting ready for other sports. I want to be able to hike mountains and ski and not be the slow guy, you know, um, in my group. And all of a sudden it shifted like, really away from that stuff. And we didn't do muscle ups at all for a while. We didn't do, um, kipping handstand pushups at all for a while. And when we went to those two ends of the spectrum, we really did a disservice to everyone else that wasn't where we were. And that was, it's unnecessary because it doesn't need to be do exactly what we are doing. Come in, tell us what your goals are. What do you want to do? And the program is flexible enough that you can train in a group and still do what's best for you. So I can do something like that workout yesterday and everyone does that. Everyone needs that sort of aerobic base building. Even a workout that has something like deadlifts and burpees, everyone does the deadlifts and burpees. Now we might scale the loads, we might scale the reps or something else, but it gets to the workouts that are really kind of like on one end, like Amanda. Mm-hmm. When we do Amanda, Amanda is not appropriate for an athlete that is trying to um, you know, get a division one scholarship, which is hundreds of thousands of dollars on their body, mm-hmm. a professional athlete Or even somebody that's trying to be a weekend warrior. It's also not appropriate, Amanda, for somebody that needs to or wants to lose dozens or hundreds of pounds. It's not going to get them to where they want to go as fast as it could. Mm -hmm. But we need to do Amanda for those games athletes. So here's how we come back that full spectrum of this. If we're doing Amanda, um, our compete track does Amanda. Like straight up. It's totally appropriate. They need to work on the shorter ends of the spectrum. They need to work in that three, four minute time domain for the good athletes. And they need to know how to do ring muscle ups and cycle squat snatches. Our train athletes, the athletes that are training for other sports, I don't want them messing around in ring on rings, and I don't want them cycling squat snatches. Tom Brady. But we do want the conditioning aspect. And man, it's a really powerful conditioning piece. So what we would do there is um, power snatches. And our substitute for ring muscle-ups is burpee pull-ups. So it is a big total body cardiovascular movement that involves an upper body push and an upper body pull, just like a ring muscle-up. So with that athlete, while the Amanda athletes are doing 9.75 of ring muscle-ups and squat snatches at 135, our train athletes are doing power snatches at 135 and bar muscle-ups and they're going to do five rounds. They're going to do five rounds of seven and seven. And then our sweat athletes are going to do um, an AMRAP 10 at a lighter weight, maybe at 95 pounds of seven and seven. And they're going to do an AMRAP 10 because I want them to go at least for 10 minutes. I don't want somebody that's just. So, by the way, Heather, former top 10 games athlete, does the sweat track. We have other like super, super, it's not based on ability. That's a big, big understanding. You can have incredibly fit people doing the sweat track. It's not just about losing weight either. It's meeting people for where they are. Talk about a business opportunity. Meet people where they are. You don't have to change their minds at all. I want to come in here and I want a great, big, awesome workout. You don't have to go, no, listen, actually, the thing that we do here is we do two-minute workouts and it's about the EPOC and the excessive post-exercise oxygen consumption. that's actually gonna do this and revving up your metabolism. And you actually need, it's like, cool, let's do it. And they're still doing constantly varied functional movements performed at relative high intensity. And we are varying up the time domain. We're doing workouts that are six minutes, 12 minutes, and 24 minutes. It's all happening. This is another misunderstanding with variance. People in our space have gone too far with this one. You asked, have we gone too far with the intensity one? We've gone too far in my mind with the variance one. Mm. Recognize that what the opposite of variance is, is three mile run five days a week. It's spin class five days a week. That is the opposite of variance where you're literally doing the same thing. If someone's walking into a CrossFit gym and one day they're doing clean and jerks and the next day they're doing running and the next day they're doing pull-ups and burpees, it's... You don't need to go into the crazy, weird things of like all these, you don't, need to, you don't need to teach people it's not appropriate for, you don't need to teach them skin the cats. You don't need to teach them ring muscle-ups. You don't need to get them to walk on their hands. The time spent for them learning to walk on their hands, learning to do those third wave, very high-skill movements is not meeting them where they are. They're not going to be there in three weeks because they're not going to get the results.
1: Where, so I think we should, uh, I there's, I think there's still a lot here, but we're coming up on an hour. So I want to, I want to start to, to bring us home here. And there's two things that I want to maybe just throw out to you, answer both of them, one of them, uh, whichever is interesting to you. The first is, uh, I wonder if you can't maybe articulate the differences between what you just described with the tracks and the thinking about how you do each track to what has always been part of the, the culture of CrossFit, which is like, it can be scaled for anybody what is the difference between those two things? And is it an evolution of this idea of scaling or is it a, something completely different or is it the way that scaling should have always been done, but maybe we never did it that way. And then the other one, maybe just to wrap up on, as you mentioned, <laughs> um, uh, you mentioned two workouts in the last, I think, couple of weeks that, that at CrossFit New England that were generally not successful for different reasons. How often are you still, you as a, as a team there, Getting through a day of workouts and being like, guys, we we dropped the ball on that one. That 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 failed for this reason and this reason or this reason.
0: Okay, let me the do the answer, second question answer first both rather than yeah. Either. Yeah, yeah I'll do the second question first. Um, it's very few and far between. We're in the we're in a transition of trying to train somebody up. Got it. So that's what, and we're giving them one day a week, and that one day a week isn't isn't hitting where it's supposed to. Got it. Okay. Um, Hopefully. so that's um, uh, but I um, I am. It's taken us a while to get to where we are, across New England with the programming. Because in the beginning, as I said, it was all competitive stuff. Yeah. It was. And we did a great job preparing people. Like we would send, you know, dozens of people to the age group qualifiers. And we'd always have three or four people in regionals. And we'd always have a couple people at the games. It was like, we'd always have a team. We won the team games. We had people on the podium. We did a phenomenal job of that. And we swung the other way. Man, we were delivering so much results to our regular members. But- we were missing the other parts. We weren't, mm-hmm. we were missing the games part. We were people that were trying to do well in the open. We were leaving them high and dry. We missed it big time for a couple of years. And that's where we kind of, as we've opened up this, our, the, the paradigm in which we, we view it's, programming.
1: It's, yeah, it's not either or now, it's both. It's and. Correct. Yeah, exactly I that. right. Um, Cool. Okay. So that answers that one. The the other one is just the scale versus I don't even know what word you would put in there if you you have another word for it.
0: So I think that, I think the word scaling should be removed from our lexicon. I I don't like the word scaling because when you apply scaling, it's less, it's worse. Mm -hmm. It's not what other you're supposed to be doing. What we should be doing is tailoring workouts. Tailored is specifically created for you. That's the way we should be creating these workouts. It's not scaled. It's not, let's take this because you could scale up a workout. And we do have athletes that scale up workouts, but it's not it's not scaling at that point. What we need to do is tailor the workouts appropriate for each person. And we need to be able to move away from the goals that we have, which is everyone, because the, the idea behind scaling, what most people have in their head is we should be working towards rx Mm -hmm. that's wrong we should not be working towards rx being able to do amanda prescribed is not the goal for tom brady that's not what he's here for so if we're scaling the movements or scaling the loads trying to preserve amanda we're missing the mark for tom brady we need to tailor the workouts appropriately for him. And when we do that, the movement completely changes and it's beginning with the end in mind. The muscle up is never in the repertoire. It's not a piece of what we're trying to get him to do. So because of that we're not scaling the muscle up, we're tailoring, we're changing the workout. And because we're not trying to preserve the workout of it being three minutes of very high skill, which is going to be low heart rate for our sweat athletes. We don't want this to be a three minutes, low heart rate workout. We want this to be 10 minutes of sweat it out. Mm -hmm. So if we scale the workouts, we're missing the stimulus of what the tracks are intended to deliver, which is why our members are there they're not there to learn ring muscle-ups and how to cycle squat snatches. They're there to lose 75 pounds. We have to understand, it's a massive paradigm shift. And once you understand that paradigm, the scaling thing goes away. There is there is no scaling.
1: Love that. Okay. So to wrap up, last question, you mentioned, uh, I think it was the, a horsepower chart or a chart to help uh, track horsepower. Is that something I'm just anticipating questions uh, being being sent to to me and to you? Is that something that is available for folks? Is that something that might be at some point either through CFNE through CompTrain something something you guys are working on or or what? Um,
0: we've never shared it publicly. We share it with people that do our immersion program. It's part of the the programming um, discussion for that. But really quickly, kind of what it means by that is that there's a sweet spot. There's a sweet spot for workouts. There's a sweet spot for reps, loads, and movements. Case in point, and people are going to know this, like there's a, for your for your normal prescribed workout, I know I just talked about not prescribing, but let's just take the normal CrossFit athlete. If we're doing thrusters, we should understand what light, medium, and heavy is for a thruster. Mm-hmm. What comes along with that, you can't have this without the other. What comes along with that is the rep scheme. Mm -hmm. So if you choose moderate, you have the rep scheme already built in and the moderate is going to be 50 reps. It makes sense. So for the moderate thruster in CrossFit is 95 or 65 pounds. Mm -hmm. Now that makes sense. What comes along with that is we're going to do five rounds of 10, 50 reps. We're going to do 21, 9. 45 reps. We're going to do four rounds of 12, 48 reps. We want to be in that ballpark. That's going to deliver the right threshold horsepower. Now, if you butcher that and you go, we're going to go um, 95 pounds, but we're going to go two reps, Mm -hmm. we're going to go one rep, you're missing it. Now, you could go one rep in a workout if it's on the heavy side. Like a 135 or a 155 thruster, that would fit into something. Or if you do a lighter one, if you do a lighter one, let's say we choose a 65 pound or a 75 pound um, for guys and a 55 pound for girls, but we keep it at that 21.15.9. That's not gonna be enough. We're missing it. And that goes for all of the weighted movements. And we can, I just, the middle threshold weight is clean and jerk and front squat is 135.95. Snatch and thruster is 95, 65. Deadlift is 225, 155. Um, front squat is, um, I already said it, is, uh, that goes with the cleanser. Um It's all those are there. And so is the gymnastics movements. Pull-ups or chest of bar or bar muscle-ups. And you have the appropriate rep scheme built into those things. And what happens is if you don't understand these, things get butchered. And they are combining the lights with the, the reps and they're not all matching up. And it's okay to do it every now and then as the exception to the rule, but we have to understand the rule before we make exceptions to it.
1: Love that. Okay,
0: let's so have to that that. So I talked about the threshold one, the middle one, the average one, that's 50 reps. The higher one is 100 reps and the lower one is 30. So for snatches, heavy snatches is 135. Okay, that makes sense. Thirty reps. What is thirty reps with it? It's Isabel. Ah, oh, totally makes sense. Um, Amanda, one thirty-five. It's nine seven fifty. That's like twenty high reps. So it makes sense. Those all fit in really nicely.
1: Got it. Okay, I'm going to cut you off there, even though you could probably keep talking about this for a while. Uh, but thank you. That was uh, that was fun. Hopefully, people like that uh, kind of geek out that deep dive on programming. Um, thank you, everybody out there, for listening, for leaving your ratings and your reviews. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.